0: and tucked them under my crossed arms to keep the trembling a private thing. I waded off to one side and out of the way, feeling around the edges of my blank mind for a finger hold, for some train of thought I could tip over, or any good idea that I could wedge in, force open a gap, and fight my way past this wall in my mind so that I could be there with them, really be there, with an unclenched throat and an argument made of something, anything, that couldn't lose. A sob coiled in the roof of my mouth, pressing against my tongue. If I looked at them, I'd howl. My small family, a good, stable tripod when we stood together, faltered out of sync now, nerve-strung and scattered, the three of us wide awake in the middle of a night that had been just like any other night, when we'd all gone to bed a few hours earlier. I was afraid to see on their faces what I heard in their voices. It would surely rattle me right out of the stranglehold I had on my self-control. The glittering kept my eyes busy enough to hold off the tears. They'd still be there, both the tears and the shattered mess on the floor, when this was over. I saved the crying for later. It would go well with the chore of sweeping up the foyer. I tried to watch my mother in the final minutes before she left, to save a last image of her to hold in my head for when she wouldn't be there. My heartbeat hammered soon, soon, soon in my chest, and I looked away. My attention slid off the practiced last steps of her leaving dance Her head bent over the wallet in her hands in a quick accounting of the sheaf of cash that padded the length of it, and the brisk, casual grace in the sweep of her arm as she reached for the keys on the hall table. I pointedly didn't want to see her face or my brother's, or whoever the man was with the ready when you are tone in his voice and his hand on the doorknob. But we're programmed from birth to find faces everywhere as if the pattern of the human mask is some sort of touchstone for reality we seek its layout in wood grain and in clouds in every indistinct thing we find eyes looking back at us over noses and mouths in the scorch patterns on toast and in the craggy stacks of mountains so i couldn't resist the pull of the man's id tag it had twisted around on its plastic tether on the glass covered bag landing upside down to show me an inverted photo of the efficient young man with the soldier's posture who had woken us up out of the sweet summer storm. The man who had, for the last hour or so, been treading the boards of our home with unearned privilege. Special Agent Brian Mennery. My concentration tunneled a path out of the room, away from the merry twinkling of the broken bits of lamp on the black fabric away from my mother's departing instructions and the unexplained disarray of our usually tidy front rooms. I stared at the picture on the tag and burrowed my focus into the man's upside-down eyes, as if I could stamp the blank official expression on this stranger's face over the panic that clogged up my throat. My mother pulled me away from the study of his identification badge I couldn't say anything to her at first as she gripped my shoulders, squeezing fear into me when she meant to telegraph strength. D, Paul's outside. He'll stay until Marie gets here. Aunt Marie was my mother's sister. Paul was my mother's boss, but also a fixture in our lives. We don't need a babysitter. I can do it, I said. I'd be going into the eighth grade in just over a month. I could certainly manage the TV's remote control and a few peanut butter sandwiches for Simon. Of course you can, but Plucky, it's going to be a few days at least. Mama, what happened while we were outside? Why did you send us out there? I pointed back behind us without taking my eyes off her. I could smell flight in the air. Fight had obviously already happened. Avoidance sounded the same as reassurances and grocery lists from her. A chunk got knocked out of the wall. I'll fix it.